Pod Pals and welcome back to Best Girl Grip. I'm your host, Nicole Davis, and this is the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. Before we get down to business, I wanted to let you know, if you weren't already aware, that I have a newsletter about the film industry called Get a Grip, where I share opportunities, articles, podcasts, news, bits of inspiration, interviews, recommendations, all sorts really. And as of Friday, I'm also going to be answering questions that are sent in. They can be about anything film, career or creativity related that you think I might be able to offer a perspective on. You can send them to my email, which is nicoledavis62 at hotmail.co.uk. You can DM me on Twitter at stonecoldfox. You can follow at bestgirlgrip on Instagram and slide into my DMs there. All questions will remain anonymous in the newsletter. So I look forward to hearing from you. And now, on to this week's guest. Olive Nwosu is a Nigerian filmmaker, a BAFTA Pigot 2020 scholar, an Alex Sitchell Fellow at Columbia University School of the Arts, and one of four African Promises directors selected by the Institut Francais. She has directed two award-winning short films, Troublemaker and Agungung Masquerade, both set in Nigeria, and which have screened in numerous film festivals, including Sundance, the BFI London Film Festival, TIFF, and the Aspen Shorts Fest. The latter was also nominated for Best British Short Film at the Biffers in 2021. Earlier this year, Olive took part in an online edition of the Sundance Screenwriting Lab, and she is currently developing her first feature film with Film 4. We talk about initially studying engineering, and how she discovered and decided to pursue filmmaking, some of the difficulties Olive has faced in sustaining a practice, especially during the pandemic, and what that practice looks like. We also talk quite in depth about Olive's short film, A Gungan Masquerade, and how that film came to be, what she wanted to explore, how she crafted its visual language, and finding the right collaborators. I saw that film and Olive speak on a panel at Sundance London, and was immediately beguiled both by her cinematic voice, and then also how she spoke about the film on stage, and I knew straight away I would love to have her on the podcast, and the conversation we had didn't disappoint. I think Olive is a really special filmmaker, and I was incredibly privileged to share this space and this moment in time with her. As always, these are recorded on Zoom, and there is some occasional distortion and background noise. This is episode 119 of Best Girl Grip. My first question today is whether you recall the moment or a film or experience that made you want to be a filmmaker. Yes, I do. It took a few months, but I I remember those months well. I had just gone to the US. I did my undergrad in the US and I actually went to study engineering. And that would have been a very different life. I was taking all these science classes, but because it was in America, where you also have space to take other classes of interest, I took a film class because I'd always enjoyed watching films, but it never occurred to me to make them. If you'd asked me when I was 10, I probably wanted to be an author to write prose. And then somehow that got dropped for engineering. Yeah, so I I went to this class and yeah, it, it was just a very instinctual gut, you know, sense of, wanting to get to watch films. But part of the course was making a short film. And I knew nothing about filmmaking. I'd never made a film. I'd never touched a camera or used any editing software. Um, but over the course of yeah, about two months, making this tiny five-minute, it's called The Personal Narrative, which was kind of very, very liberal. And, and it's, it was just like 
make something that that describes you um that feels personal to you and you could do it with documentary style or narrative or experimental and mine became a mishmash of all three really and i wrote a little script but it was based on my own experience and, and it was very experimental in its process but um i yeah learned how to use a camera i kind of youtube how to cut things and taught myself very quickly it, it really felt like a new language that allowed me access feelings and stories that I don't think I could tell any other way for me that really felt like a drug you know I was like oh god <laughs> and yeah then then I thought this is what I wanted to do and then it took me years to finally do it but that that really was the kind of moment of awakening I guess and considering you had this contrast with engineering which is obviously you know very different as you say kind of life kind of job did it feel scary or contentious to step away from maybe something that might give you a more stable career into something that, you know, is completely unknown? It was terrifying. <laughs> it was so terrifying. Um, I mean, for, for exactly the reasons you say it, but I think that got kind of exacerbated being, you know, growing up in Nigeria, having Nigerian family who are very concerned with, you know, livelihood and what that means. And also just in a society where, you know, most people are professionally doctors or engineers or lawyers, you know, really I grew up with like five professions <laughs> that I saw around me, you know. And so, and my, my dad wasn't happy with, he really struggled with the idea of me leaving in engineering, which, you know, is a very clear cut path. And also, frankly, I think to his mind, a more um, tangible way to come back and give back to, you know, like build the country. And for him, film seemed like a very frivolous artist um, <laughs> statement. So, so yes, it was it was very difficult at it. And, and I think I think those concerns he had also I had somewhere in me. And so it took me many years to kind of work through them for myself, and then to you know, decide that whether or not my family really understood I would do it anyway, then then I did. How did you work through them? Like, was it in the doing and the making of films that you found validation? You know, was it from another person who said, no, you, you should and you can be a filmmaker? How did that come about for you? It was a few of those. It, all through college, I had two film faculty who were really, they really were like my film parents, um, Ryan also a woman and Jeff Pingree a man and I I was lucky I was able to really speak to them honestly about you know these personal I remember at 19 being plagued by it <laughs> you know and they they really held space for me and because they were filmmakers themselves I think seeing adults who were doing this work and were so committed to it as a vocation and as, as a way of kind of being in community and giving back to community was quite um, important for me. But also, you know, saying to me that, you know, there was a reason I was affected by this and wanted to and, and then needed nurturing and, and listening to and, and also doing it. But but more so, to be honest, leaving it. So, you know, I graduated and ended up, ended up doing something completely different for years. I worked in finance for a couple of years and then I went and did a master's in psychology and I worked in advertising so between leaving university at 21 and 25, I was doing, you know, completely different things. And I think I needed that time as well to kind of do the right thing and quote and, and work the job and realized how unhappy I was, to be honest. 
and that I, I, could, I really couldn't, it sounds so romantic, but I couldn't ignore the, the yearning to make films. Um, and so eventually I found my way back and, and yeah, it was trial and error, certainly. And then, yeah, a few people who kept kind of calling me back to that space. And you mentioned doing your undergrad, was that at Columbia? No, so I did my undergrad at Oberlin College and then I did oh, my cool. MFA at Columbia. So that's when I just chose to go back. Then I applied for an MFA in 2018 um, and then went back and did it. And why Columbia? And I understand you're also, I, I might be pronouncing things wrong, but an Alex Sitchell fellow. What did that kind of entail? Was that like a scholarship? And, yeah. and why Columbia? Like what appealed to you about studying back in America? I think for me, perhaps because in my undergrad, it was always a mix of film theory and practice. I felt really cool to that. I love the theory of film and, and like watching and thinking about film in that way. And it kind of fuels how I make films too. And so um, I was really looking for space that integrated both. And I think Columbia does that so well. They have like an incredible film theory department. You can dip between, like I said, the theory and the practice. So that really was why I chose it. And also honestly being in New York and just feeling like that was such a vibrant, um, exciting space to make art. Then I got the Axial Fellowship in my second year. And that that really, you know, it's funny, I've, I've like over the years been very fortunate and gotten, you know, really critical like moments of validation that have allowed me believe and trust this process, especially when, you know, because it can be very unknown and it's really a big gamble <laughs> to take. But that was one of them. Um, so that was at the end of my first year, and it's given to a female filmmaker in the program who I think I think the wording is, you know, like has a strong, authentic voice or something like that and comes with some money. So that was very helpful to, in entering the second year because really when I went, I had just enough money for the first year and I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And it was really a leap of faith in trusting that somehow money would show up for the next year and the next year, and it did somehow from all these different spaces. And upon graduating from the MFA program at Columbia, I mean, obviously, with something like that as well, where it's a very rigorous program, I imagine there's lots of like structures of support around you. It must be then like the bottom kind of falls out when you when you graduated <laughs> and you've then got to sustain that for yourself. How did you go about making that transition? And then, you know, being in the real world as a filmmaker? Yeah. I mean, I'm still going through the transition, <laughs> Nicole, because it, it's true. It's really, I mean, it, it's really a very real experience. Of That was what was so amazing about Columbia was the structure, but really, you know, the faculty are so supportive, as is the administration, and us together, the, our, the colleagues, um, the filmmakers, it's, it's not a competitive place, you know, it really feels like um, we're all very invested in each other's films, and and so that, that creates momentum too. And so to leave that, and I graduated during the pandemic as well. So right. at that point when it's so hard to form community and it's just quite like a lonely time was hard is the truth. And I was, I was lucky, I, I would say, because I'd already met Alex Polunin, my producer then. And so we, I had at least one person who, you know, I was talking about work with out, that was outside of the film program and, and you know, was a real human. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like the work is real when you speak to other people about it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was quite important. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think for me also comes down to the practice. Like it was very important from early on to, to really figure out my practice and 
sustain it no matter the you know who is telling me what being made because as long as I keep in that process then I, I do feel some structure and yeah I think held by it really. What does that practice look like to you? Does that mean kind of even if you're not being funded kind of just making things for yourself to figure out you know how your voice is developing or how you can hone your craft? For me this is very personal to me but but writing and, and filmmaking for me feels also like a very spiritual thing and so I I'm very invested in kind of always, I'm always writing and whether that's a script or in a journal, it's just like a way to, to keep rooted to kind of that imaginative space and keep it going. So that every day I do no matter what. And then also being in a group. So a few of us formed a writing group that we'd kept through school and um, we meet once a month and so regardless of whether the work is getting made, we have these deadlines that we are holding ourselves accountable to. And yeah, you're getting feedback from. And again, I, I really think, again, I, I, it's so hard to sustain the energy yourself, I, I believe. And so wherever you can make community, that feels true. And and yeah, watching films is also a huge part of that, you know, remembering why I do what I do, because I love the medium and want to engage with it. And you mentioned Alex Paloon in there who produced your short film, The Gungun Masquerade. Talk to me about how you started talking about that idea. You know, you did you present him with something fully formed or was it kind of a conversation that progressed with time? Yeah, it was a conversation. Alex got in touch with me. I had applied for a BAFTA scholarship to fund my second year at Columbia. And he had received that scholarship some years ago. I think was a reader for the applications and so found my work that way and got in touch with me then and expressed interest in working together. And so we started speaking pretty early and we we're just trying to find the right project to work on together. And even even then we started talking about a feature, but we wanted to find a short to make together, you know, test the relationship and figure out how we work, but also as a way to lead up to the feature. So I was writing a few things and then the more Films for Freedom core came up through the BFI and British Council. And that was what funded Egungun. And so, you know, that is specifically for LGBTQ plus stories in Africa and the Middle East. And mm-hmm. I was writing, that was one of several things I was writing at the time. So it seemed like right timing, to be honest, mm-hmm. to then apply with that together. So we applied with that script um, and then, yeah, got the funding. And that's how the film came about. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's it's a nice kind of uh, sign you feel like when, when that happens. Oh. Like the, yeah, the universe is telling you, yeah, this is the story yeah. I'm focused on right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering like what you were looking to communicate or explore with that story. What was like the question maybe that lived inside of you that you wanted to answer with that film? I think for me, Egunkun really feels like a meditation on identity and homecoming and the many tensions that exist in that space I feel often this kind of disjointed sense of self like they're they're different selves in me because I've lived in different spaces and and kind of have felt accepted in different ways in these different spaces and yeah I I wonder if that ever goes away (laughs) I think Mm. um and so that really was the kind of impetus of that script the film is about a woman who I think 
lives with that question and then confronts it in a very visceral way when at her mother's funeral. And and just also, you know, about um, different forms of privilege too, because, you know, I think, yeah, because I moved between, you know, Nigeria and the UK and the US, I'm very aware of, of how, yeah, different societies kind of um, privilege different identities and and when when you move between these spaces how how you yourself kind of make sense of that it's something I often think about as well for me it's just a, a hope that people can empathize with the feeling and that it creates a humanness that we understand that we all have and if if you can I think if you can feel another person's experience then you kind of have to care yeah and I think what I loved about it was the sort of the open-endedness and this idea that these two women could kind of come back together and you get a sense that the love has never really gone away and 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 then it never will and and then it can kind of continue to exist even if they can't necessarily be together there was something very beautiful about that and you mentioned the word visceral which it really is and I was really just struck by the compositions and, and the frames and I'm wondering how you go about selecting them like is it just from like recce's and and getting to grips with the space and seeing kind of what possibilities it might reveal or are you going with maybe quite a prescribed storyboard and thinking this is how I want to shoot it and I'm going to find a place that fits that storyboard combination of both I think um I think it starts with the I, I think very visually um I mean even when I'm writing I can see it so it starts there definitely and I, I really think you know again film kind of there's a visual language to it and, and different frames and shots and camera movements and colors do different things to people. Um, and I, I think I'm very aware of that. And so for me, it always starts with the question, like, what are we trying to do to people in this moment? Like, what is the feeling of this? And, and with Agunga particularly, you know, it was so, it's so character driven that I wanted us to be in Shaliwa's experience all the time. So it was a question of that, what is she feeling and then how does the camera translate that so the audience feels it too. And some of that is gut instinct. Some of that is, you know, studying other films and what works. And some of it is allowing the magic of, you know, the space and the set and production happen. And and I think for, for me, yeah, for me, there's a lot of planning and prep and we st- I storyboard very rigorously and then... And knowing that, and then the the harder work weirdly is then being completely present mm. when we're shooting to to knowing what feels true and then going with that and presumably a big part of that is also bringing in board the right collaborators that understand also the feelings that you're trying to conjure with the story and I'm wondering like what you look for in a collaborator, be it you know Alex, your producer, whether it's h o d s actors that you're working with. Talk to me a little bit about how you suss out if that person is the right person to tell this story with you. For me, it's a very gut gut instinct. I, I like to hear how how people talk about the work. You know, like I, I I let them talk about it, and and from that, it's clear if you know they understand it. But uh, I mean, understand it, yes. But I also want someone who has exciting new ideas to bring. You know, I want to be excited. I want them to be excited, and I want to be excited when they talk about the work. I think that feels so important. So that's a big part of it. And then I think just collaboration style, you know, I, I there's a certain, and maybe this is, well, I don't know, idealistic, but for me, the set has to feel safe and open for 
experimentation and for play. And so who are people who kind of bring that personality with them to, to, you know, the process. We also shoot, you know, because I make so far my films in Nigeria, there is a certain kind of being able to go with the flow <laughs> that is necessary for everybody because things kind of, you can only control so much in many of these environments. And so people can stay level-headed, but also open to what's going on and want to capture kind of, yeah, the spontaneity that emerges quite important to me. And with actors, yeah, I just, I, I really, I have such a respect for actors and I want them to bring their own magic to to the character, you know, and, and someone who really wants to build together. So for me, yeah, and, and, and finally, the DP is such a huge part of that process. Um, and I've only really worked with one DP so far, my friend Tom Weir, who has been wonderful and has come to Nigeria to shoot my films. And we just, we've been friends for a long time. So we, we have this ease between us um, and... He's just like so keen and on the ball and yeah, knows. Um, and, and so there's a lot of conversation beforehand. And then once we're on set, just a real trust between us. And you mentioned obviously shooting in Nigeria. And I'm wondering if that brought with it any challenges, be that physically, logistically. But then also I wonder personally, because it's your own home going in some ways, like going back to shoot there and whether that brought up anything for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, Choosing Nigeria, I love it. And then I finish and I'm like, why? (laughs) I always need two or three months to recover. And I'm like, why do I do this? Um, And yet I go back and do it. So clearly um, there's a calling. Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. You know, the, the industry is still emerging. It doesn't really have like, like do processes in the same way. So there's a lot of... Which, but then that's exciting, like like building as we go and figuring out how as we go, which I do love, but it's hard to do. And yeah, it's just like there's it's, there's so much traffic and it's hot and people are late all the time. <laughs> just like like very simple things like that. And at the same time, I yeah, it's my home and and I love it and I think it's so alive and I that's what I love is the aliveness of it all. And that's what I try to capture. And I think it's a way for me to stay connected with home now that I don't live there. That that really feels like a, an active relationship when I'm when I'm writing about home and making films there, which which I feel very I don't know grateful to have. But it can be hard, yeah, because you're bringing often you know like foreigners back with you, and I end up feeling some kind of. I don't know, responsibility <laughs> for them, but also for then Nigerians too. It's like this conduit between. And yeah, I guess I'm also really aware of, you know, for me, like I think about storytelling as, you know, very active, kind of like radical process of, you know, trying to fight injustice and like share increasing equity and equality. And also then being aware of kind of the hierarchical structures of film and, how I'm implicitly involved in that. So it can get very kind of, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, in your head about it all, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I still 
I love doing it. So it comes down to really. And I'm interested in the kind of director that you are and how you embody that role, because obviously there are so many different ways of being a director. And I think we often hear more about the auteurs or they have one vision and it belongs solely to them. But I'd love to hear more about how you how you collaborate, how you get everyone energized to kind of to make this story that was once in your head, but now is here for everyone to kind of play in. Yeah, no, it's such a good question. And honestly, that's that's an active kind of evolving one for me because um, that feels very important to me. I think, first of all, it, it comes down to a passion, like a real passion for the story, but a passion for connection with others. And I really think about the set as a place where we can, like a safe space where we can connect around something that we all love. And I and I want to be very respectful of each person, what each person brings to that space. Um, I really believe that, you know, it, it honestly blows my mind when I think about, you know, you write the film and it's this kind of small thing in your head and then like 40 people come together to make this thing and then it exists. And it, it's, it's such a wild journey. It's such a wild journey. For me, that journey matters just as much as, you know, the film. And I really hope that, you know, people, at least my, my co-collaborators feel that they have brought their best work and have been able to bring their best work to a space. Yeah, we, we've all kind of done the thing we, we spoke about. So, so for me, there's a lot of prep. Um, I think a lot of that kind of team building happens in the prep stage mm-hmm. and bringing people on early. I try to bring people on as early as possible and, you know, share with them all that I think and then allow them go away and evolve that and bring it back. And then, yeah, once we get on set, then I think really like laying the foundation is is the director's role, you know, of very early on saying what this is about and why we're doing it. And for me, I, I try to really embody that. I think that you, you I, I try to lead by example and trust that people follow and sometimes they don't. <laughs> and then difficult conversations have to be had. But um Generally, it's been a good process. And I'm wondering as well, because I saw the film at Sundance London earlier this year, and it, it was in Maine Sundance as well, the one in Utah. Um, what has been the process for you of showing it to the world? As you say, like it once existed in your head, then 40 people get together to make it, but then hundreds of people get to see it. So it's like this other extension of just the wild journey. How's that been? It's been amazing. Honestly, the reception for Gungun has blown my mind. It's been so wonderful to to see and to experience because Troublemaker, my last short got released just before the pandemic. And so it kind of got like in that web of pandemic films and Egungun was also a pandemic film, but on this till end now. And so we've had a much fuller festival experience and I've been to festivals and nothing beats watching your film with an audience like ever. It's just been so affirming how people have responded. I've had some really amazing conversations and I've received some really moving texts and emails from people who've seen the film that it, it affected and they felt kind of seen by. And it's very, it just gives a lot of fuel to me for the work because, you know, the work can be hard and isolating. And so it's, it's just beautiful when it's out there and then it becomes other people's as well. 
And speaking of like Sundance Balls are combating that isolation, you're part of the screenwriting lab, I believe, earlier this year. I'm wondering like what you applied to that hoping to get, like why now felt like the right time for you to do that, but then also what you left actually having having gained from it. The lab was really um, a huge experience for me. I applied, it's funny, so much also changed between applying and starting it because I, I, when I applied, I think we had just sent a gungan out to like festivals so it hadn't played anywhere mm. um so I and, I and I was working on this script that I had kind of just found it was while I was home in Nigeria and, and it just came to me and I wrote it all out in this splurge and I wanted to have a space to then kind of figure out what it was and mm. rewrite it um that's why I applied but then between applying in May and when it happened in January um Egungun, premiered at TIFF and then got nominated for a Biffo Award and then got into Sundance. And then we got the, we got into development and another feature with Film 4. So just like so many things happened in between. And it was, it was, I mean, it was all good things, amazing, amazing things. And I think also there's this like, when, when your dreams start coming true, you're, for me, I was terrified. (laughs) Um, It was like, oh my God, what happened? Is this real? (laughs) Who do I talk to about it? And so actually what the lab ended up becoming was a space to bring like so much more than just the script and to yeah talk about all the vulnerabilities of making art and having it seen and, and like this sounds so weird but like also success starting to happen and what that feels like and how you handle it and also just like practical questions that you know when things actually start working out you're like I don't know anything about the industry of it all actually mm-hmm. um, and how do I figure that out um, and Sundance really I mean it's such an amazing space and it's led with you know this real sense of I mean it's about the script but it's about so much more it's it's about giving emerging filmmakers a place to feel safe to explore and ask questions um, and all the other filmmakers are amazing and our advisors are amazing and so yeah I ended up just being very vulnerable and open and sharing yeah a lot of the doubt and also the joy and also yeah getting lots of notes on my script (laughs) yeah also having like a place where the two can coexist right because that I think also is the scary thing of starting to feel success and having your dreams start to come true is that you then also feel like you should be so happy and grateful that those things are happening to you but then it, it can still also be hard and difficult and as you say that you can still have doubts and it's it's not forgetting that yeah both of those things can happen at the same time even if you're doing the thing that you want to do yeah that's exactly right I think I think that's exactly it you know I think the work we do it's it's work right and it's a career and that can be very kind of objective but also it's for me, it's so personal. And I don't always feel like I can bring those two things together into spaces. It's like it's either one or the other. And it was just one of the first places I've been in where you don't have to choose. It's, it's all the same thing. And and there is that understanding and the way I have it, that one creates the other, you know. And, and so it's like, how do you harmonize them and talk about it and not feel, I don't know, precious, I guess. Yeah, so that that was big and you mentioned having a feature in development with film four which is really exciting I'm wondering if you can demystify that process a little bit as you know to the extent that you feel comfortable like did you go to them with a feature idea did they approach you having seen a gungun saying we'd love to work with you do you have a feature idea how did those conversations start 
Yeah, yeah, we went to them. They'd seen Troublemaker and then a Gungan and were interested based on that work. And so we went to them with the idea and they really liked it. And so then they yeah, commissioned it for development and we're still developing. <laughs> what it's felt like for me at least is, you know, I, I've been doing all this work on my own and just trusting that people are seeing it and eventually the right person or people will see it and they know the next step, you know, really. Um, that's what it's felt like for me at least. So I, I, I just kept doing what I know. And, mm. yeah. and trusting, I guess, that the work will eventually speak for itself or that it can speak for itself when people see it, that you don't have to kind of always be shepherding it or or vouching for yourself that someone can see a short film and, and then come to you, I guess, maybe. is, is Exactly. Not- No, I think so, because, I mean, there have been many things I've applied for, definitely. And there have just been one or two, like, massive things that have happened that I, you know, like, I made the film, I did that work, but I was not in a room when some conversation was had, you know. And it's it's really kind of weird when you realise that. (laughs) But it's also, I don't know, it's nice to know that there are people who are looking for work. And if you keep focusing on making your work, then hopefully they find you. And then just coming quickly back to Sundance, when I was looking, uh, I think you have like an artistic bio on one of their pages where they sort of talk about the the cohort for the screenwriting lab. And I was intrigued by this line in that bio that said, your mission is to tell urgent cinematic African stories. I'm wondering what the words urgent and cinematic mean to you. Urgent for me means like tiny now I think that there's so few African stories there's so few African stories and it's almost like making up for lost time because there's so many that need to be told there's almost this kind of blanket over the continent and who we are as people and like our humanity and our lives and the nuance of it and the complexity of it and our inner selves it's like it, it was really a very specific feeling for me when I left Nigeria and moved to the US and just realized how little people knew of like the whole world that I had grown up in and all its richness. Yeah. So for me, it's it's about filling that gap um, because I think that plays such a role in everything else. You know, it's like, how can you, like I was saying, care about people, make laws about people, like champion people who don't know anything about like who they actually are and if they haven't told you. And it felt mm-hmm. like everything was what other people had said about us and not what we'd said about ourselves. So that is a big part of what that means. And cinematic because we belong on the big screen, you know, like I think it it is big and it is bold and it is worth, you know, the epic tale. And that feels important too, you know, I'm not, I, I, I care about, you know, character driven work and, and nuance, but I don't want to tell like tiny stories on TV. Like our faces should be on on the big screen. Our stories should be on the big screen. And our, you know, when we're all living our lives, it feels like the most important thing in the world. And it is. So I, yeah, I want to tell stories that, that convey that um, and give us kind of, yeah, just a stage to be and to exist and to be human. Mm, Thank you. That's a really thoughtful answer. And obviously, as someone that's sort of at the beginning of what feels like a very exciting career, I'm wondering, you know, what's one of the things about being part of the film industry or, or understanding the film industry a bit more now that really excites you, that kind of 
you're just like raring to go in terms of making features and 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 sustaining this career hopefully for a long time a couple of things i mean i think i think now is such a good time to be an african filmmaker like you know if there was going to be one i it feels like there is a shift and people are looking for stories in spaces that they haven't in the past and like it's about time frankly yeah it's just so affirming to, to feel that the industry is also acknowledging that and is trying to do that work I think yeah just like meeting amazing people too you know like getting to make work with like good kind people <laughs> really amazing I feel it's going to be where I think say, but you know, I worked in finance and I mean, I left for many reasons, but the primary one was you know, looking around me and not really liking the people I was around and, you know, not wanting to be that person. And it's not that, you know, some people are all amazing. I'm sure there are people who aren't, but I do feel like I met some really amazing people who mm-hmm. understand, you know, why the work is important and care about it the way I do. And yeah, that community is just, is huge. Not, not just for the, film but I guess for my life it's great to have so yeah that chimes I, f- I feel like I recently saw a quote on, on I can't remember where I saw it but where it was like you should never work for someone that you wouldn't aspire to be and mm-hmm. I feel like that that yeah that's the same with film work for or with someone that yeah exactly yeah totally that's exactly it and conversely what uh one of the frustrations maybe that you felt about the film industry that you're like we need to solve this quicker mm, that's a good question I mean I think you know, what I was saying, I, I think there is a, a desire to tell a wider variety of stories. I think we can do better still. And I think recognizing that the decision makers also have to be a diverse group of people, you know, because what connects with you is a consequence of who you are. And I think I think we know this, but I don't know that it's happening fast enough, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so I think about that often. And, you know, someone who's only just begun to kind of like get into these spaces, I, I still feel that there's such a, yeah, kind of blanket over a curtain over what what it is. I, I don't know why it's not more open. And it still does feel like there are gatekeepers and how do we get around gatekeepers and what work gets around gatekeepers is something I think about a lot. And and then this is specific for me, you know, just as a Nigerian filmmaker, you know, I, I know, and maybe this is where, I, I don't know where this lies, but, you know, like financing to allow people just like the tools to make the work, you know, like it, film is such an expense, it's just an expensive art form and that's such a barrier as it is. Um, and so, you know, like how we democratize that more and yeah, like who who's able to tell stories still is still a question mm-hmm. of class and race. I suppose it's also like not dictating what that money's for. Like I recently had a really interesting conversation with Tabitha Jackson, um, who was obviously the outgoing director of the Sundance Film Festival. And she was talking about their like documentary lab and giving people development money, but not saying that it has to be for like a treatment or a concept teaser or to start writing a script or whatever it is. It could, you know, you could put a line in the budget for like, coffee so that you can spend two hours away from your family to think about I don't know just just yeah not not being so prescriptive about how people ought to make their work I guess no totally I think that's so true the truth is you know especially with creative work like a lot of it looks like not doing very much <laughs> but you are doing you know what I mean and you are doing stuff and and it's taken me some time to accept that because I'm so kind of like oh I must be all the time to earn this way but 
I, I don't think that you can always be producing. It doesn't work that way. And so how do we acknowledge that in the way things are set up? I'm wondering if there's something that you consider to be the biggest learning curve of your career so far. I think having difficult conversations, honestly, learning that it gets what you're asking about being a director. It's like you, to some degree, like you're shepherding something through and you will have to have some difficult conversations. And how do you have those? Mm. Um, have them early and have them fairly. Can you give an example, like as in, you know, like maybe not seeing eye to eye with an HOD or like what yeah. the texture of some of those difficult conversations? Yeah, I mean, totally um, not seeing eye to eye about things, you know, like when when in conflict, like bringing stuff up very quickly, letting go a person if they're not doing the work. And also, you know, standing up for your work and trusting that it, you know, like I know. And I I do have the best thought on a thing, which can be kind of, for me at least, difficult <laughs> sometimes, you know, especially when you feel, again, like you're being gifted something. Yeah, like trusting that I deserve to be in the room and, you know, I I do know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's almost like having that difficult conversation with yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> it is, like, it, I mean, that's half the battle, right? It's like, mm-hmm. value yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that. And what's underneath all that? I mean, there's, maybe that's, that's, maybe that's actually the answer is that a lot of personal work that goes into then showing up as, like, the best version of yourself to do the work. And then finally, what is a film from a woman director that you love, think about, return to often and would like to recommend today? I mean, I love Jane Campion. I've just been on a bit of a Jane Campion, like, tour. So um, (laughs) I would say, I mean, I just go back to the piano all the time. I think that film, I remember when I saw it and how strong I thought the protagonist was. Yeah, there was a fearlessness to it that I loved. And, and just, I think, a very, like, feminine touch, really, to to the way the story is told and to the camera language that I, yeah, really fell in love with. I so recently saw Shiva Baby, and I love that. I mean, that's, like, honestly, it's, like, the same idea, but, like, different. I love a bold, unruly woman, you know, who, yeah, will do what she wants and is messy. Mm-mm-mm. yeah we'll drop cream cheese down her shirt <laughs> yeah two great recommendations olive thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to speak with you i'm a really big fan of your work and a big fan of you so thank you for joining me yeah thank you thank you for listening to this episode of best girl grip if you liked what you heard please do rate review and subscribe spread the good word etc in the meantime have a great week and i'll be back next tuesday with a brand new episode Thank you.